You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. years old. Yes, Pastor Mike was right. Yes, we now have our driver's license. But how many of you know 16-year-olds on the road with a brand new driver's license aren't all that safe? (laughs) So (laughs) it's no coincidence that we're 16 years old in the time of right now in 2020 and 2021. Awaken Church is 16 years old and we're on the road. We're actually official, but maybe not the safest. (laughs) Oh, so I, um, this is the first time I've ever preached and I had more to say than not. So I kind of have a feeling of what Pastor Jurgen feels like right now. And he's like, I have 17 points and I'm usually the only person to laugh on the front row. And then he makes fun of me for laughing and I'm like, dang it, I thought you were supposed to be funny right now. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, you can laugh at me because I have a lot of notes, 10 pages actually. And so I'm going to try to get through all of it. And then if you ever get bored, just start laughing and I'll start laughing and we'll have fun. So this isn't the typical rule number two, Pastor Michaela type message. I feel the heat a little bit because I have a righteous anger. I have a righteous anger for what's happening and what's especially happened in the past week or two. And so I believe strongly, more strongly than I ever have before, that it is in such a time as this that each and every one of you are in Awakened Church, that Awakened Church has been elevated, that our campuses are flourishing and growing. I believe that we're here and called for a reason and a purpose, and it's to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And it is no coincidence that our pastor two, three months ago said, come September, I want the message series to be on prayer. I believe the man is prophetic. I believe he's amazing and hears from God, but he didn't know what we were going to be facing. He didn't know that we, in, in just the past week, the devastation that we would have faced. And so it's no coincidence that we're in the message series of prayer. Let them pray. And I'm going to teach you all about prayer, which is actually so funny and coincidental this morning, because when I first came into this church, I was even afraid of my own voice. I was so afraid to pray that during the time when Pastor Mike was praying, I would run out to the bathroom. So they couldn't call on me. And I didn't have to pray so someone next to me could hear. So you'd find me in the bathroom every single time the church was praying. Until I realized, well, that's not going to work out very well. And so I decided to start a prayer meeting with Pastor Becky. The first prayer meeting, the first women's prayer meeting the church has ever had. My husband was ahead of the game, as usual, and already started a prayer meeting. (laughs) So we started one, and I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray. And so to this day, 15 years later, we have prayer meetings. Every single week, hundreds of thousands of people in Awakened Church praying, seeing God move, seeing the miraculous. And so there's a couple types of prayer. There's a few if you want to get really theological, but there's usually the big one, the big personal rocks, the things I'm praying for in my personal life. And then there's corporate prayer. And today I'm going to focus on corporate prayer because such a time as this, for such a time as this, right now is when the church needs to rise find their voice, and be the ones that stand in unity and access the power of God through corporate prayer. And so we're going to do something at the end of this message that might scare a few of you, but please hang with me because I've been in the seat you're in. I've been there. Trust me. I've been there uncomfortable. I've been there. What the heck are they talking about? I've been there. Wow. You talk about money and you have women preachers. Wow. Now you talk about politics. 
Well, now you're asking me to pray out loud. Okay, we've all been there. So if you're new year, hang with us. We're going to have an epically um, powerful five-minute, five-minute. You only have to be uncomfortable for five minutes. Everyone can do it. Um, five minutes, prayer meeting at the end of this message. It's going to be amazing. But before that, I'm going to teach you the why, the how, and the what of prayer. And so the title of my message today is Fully Loaded Prayer. Fully Loaded Prayer. So today is like kind of a pep rally, okay? Kind of a pep rally, like before the big game, before the big fight, you get the cheerleaders together and all the people who are going to be playing, and you do a pep rally. This is a pep rally. Just look at it that way, because we're going to fight battles that are, we're going to not know how to face. We're going to see things happen that we thought we'd never see before, and we're going to need to be able to access this moment where we all got together, we learned how to pray, and we did it. And so we're in a war. I don't know if you've realized in the past couple of, uh, let's not say couple of months, like let's say 18 months or so. Where are we? What day is it? (laughs) We're in a war. And yes, it's a physical war. Yes, and we see that with our own eyes. But more so, it's a spiritual war. More so, we're facing a spiritual war that we as the believers and the Christians need to know how to engage in and know what we're facing And I used to ask the question, even to my own pastor, so why do we need to pray so much? Because the world's going to end anyways. Can we just have fun and live our happy-go-lucky lives and be blessed and have favor? Yeah, yeah, we can do all those things. And the world is going to end someday. But it's going to end on God's timing. And it's not going to end on our watch when we're here as representatives of Jesus Christ on this earth. The Bible says that we don't know the time or day and that everybody will be offered the the acceptance of Jesus Christ before the end of the world comes. And so our job as Christians placed on this time, right now, in this space, on this planet, our job is to pray. Our job is to pray. So in the meantime, we're going to pray proactive prayers, not passive prayers. We're going to pray prayers of provision and protection, and we're going to push back darkness. We're going to push back the plans of the enemy. We will claim in the name of Jesus that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. So we're going to get our prayers fully loaded today. Sound good? Sound good. Ephesians uh, 6.12. How did I forget the whole? Yeah, whatever. Ephesians (laughs) 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This war that we're facing today is only going to be won through unity and acceptance of Jesus and through our prayers. And the good news is the enemy doesn't really get too creative and change his plans all too often. He uses the same fear tactics to access the parts in us that we have not fully surrendered over to God in order to control and instill fear and get us to do things that God doesn't want us to do or think. And so once we know what the enemy is, ultimately it's fear, which stands for, according to my amazingly brilliant husband, false evidence appearing real. I'm sure he made it up. False evidence appearing real. How much of that do we have today? (laughs) We're going to a battle where we need the weapons, and all across the Bible, we see God responding to prayer when amidst a battle. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5, it says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You're here. Hi. 
Good to see you. This is my handsome husband, Dr. Matt. I'm preaching a message like how you would preach, like really like in your face. Okay, good. Ready? It's not the rule number two, Pastor Michaela, have fun message. Yeah. You can stay. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The weapons are our warfare, are not carnal. I love that. When I first started preparing this message, that was one of the first scriptures that I thought of that God highlighted to me. And I love looking at context. I love looking at why is this in the Bible? Because we use scriptures oftentimes without looking at what's actually around it. And so I did that for you. And I'm going to teach you what I found out. So in this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Paul was actually writing to the Corinthian Christians who had started to not act like Christians. So they had started to do all these things that were unacceptable, turn their ways from the Lord's ways. And, but they were, they were Christians. So Paul's writing these letters to them saying, what are you doing? Turn from your wicked ways. And I just want to point out how does that look like in our world today? How many Corinthian Christians do we look around and see, wow, aren't you supposed to be a representative of Jesus Christ on this planet? Wow, you call yourselves a Christian? And I just have to say that even more so with the pastors making their congregations feel guilty if they choose not to get vaccinated and saying, you don't love your neighbor if you don't get the vaccine. And I want to go there, thank you. Yes, most of you are cheering. (laughs) I'm not here to tell you that you can't get vaccinated. I'm here to tell you that you have the choice. So just because if I decide to not get vaccinated, that doesn't mean I love you less or more than I love someone that does. It doesn't, has nothing to do with love. It actually doesn't even do, have to, anything to do with like. It doesn't even have to, anything to do with caring about you. If I get vaccinated, I love, like, and care about you just as much as if I don't get vaccinated, I love, like, and care as much as if I didn't. And so I want to talk about that because this is the devil's fear tactics. Oh, my gosh. You think I don't love you? Let me go, let me go do that. If, you, if I can prove to you that I love you, then I'll go do that. But actually... What I'm telling you and what I'm saying, if I choose not to get vaccinated, is that I actually believe in the the Jesus Christ, the God that made me and formed me and created me with an immune system that can overcome illness, and that I believe in the blood of Jesus, and that I believe in healing, and I actually believe in a Savior more than I believe in a drug. It means nothing about love. It means nothing about love. And so let's not be Corinthian Christians. There's many things I could point out. It's not just the vaccine. It's the arguing. It's the disunity. It's the not um, showing our love to people. If you, and then if you encounter people, you have a strong con- conviction one way, and you encounter someone that has a different conviction, do we judge them? No, we don't. 
We love them and we speak truth. If I love you, I will tell you the truth. So back to the Corinthian Christians, back when Paul was writing letters. Here's what happened. Our adversary, the devil, roams around like roaming lions, seeking whom he may devour. And there was much evidence of the enemies roaming around in the lives of many Corinthian Christians. The enemy infiltrated every area of their everyday lives and spiritual walks. They had abused the gifts of the Spirit for personal promotion. They engaged in divisive arguments and petty quarrels. They backslid into spiritual infancy and engaged in carnal ways of the world. They condone ungodly practices in their midst and even overlooked sexual sin of one of their members. Members in this church fellowship had forgotten their bodies was temple, were temples of the living God. All of these things, we can see Christians today folding like a deck chair and doing some of these things. And so Paul had to write letters of correction to the Corinthians. The good news is they actually listened eventually. They actually listened. And then this is when he had access. They listened, they repented, and then he had access to say this, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. That is the context of that scripture. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. And so what a word for us today. The weapons of Christian warfare are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the glorious gospel of peace to counter the attacks of the enemy. We have the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit to ward off all evil advances. And we have the wonderful, wonderful, powerful weapon of prayer, praying always with prayer and supplication. Amen. Come on. So I want to point out a couple people in the Bible. There were men and women in the Bible that actually prayed and saw their nations turn back to Jesus. And so we're in such a time as this right now where the prayers of the righteous will avail much. We are in a time right now where weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We need to access these weapons of prayer so that we can come against the enemy and the taxes that he has for our cities and for our nation. And so the first guy I want to talk about is Solomon, King Solomon, incredible man, incredible man, wisest and richest man in the Bible, wisest and richest yet. He knew the power of prayer. And you know how he got wise? He asked God for wisdom. That's how he got wise. And then how he got rich. God gave him riches. He prayed for the things he had, and then he kept praying. And then he kept praying. He always knew he needed God. And then when the Israelites were in trouble, he prayed on their behalf. So let's look at this scripture right now. He actually held a prayer meeting. He held a prayer meeting. In 2 Chronicles 6, 1 to 4, you can talk about, or you can read about Solomon's prayer and learn how this all kind of set up. But then eventually it says, The Lord heard his prayer. So he got all the Israelites together. It says, While the whole assembly of Israel was standing there. And then it also says, Before the altar of the Lord, in front of the whole assembly of Israel. He prayed with the whole assembly of Israel, and the Lord heard his prayer. In 2 Chronicles 7, 12, it said, it says, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. It is in the context of that situation where God says, if my people will pray, 
It was Solomon who led the prayer. It was Solomon who gathered the people together in unity. It was Solomon who said, stop it. We need to pray. Stop it. We need to pray. Let's be those people. Stop it. Let's get unified and let's pray. Do you think the Israelites had different mentalities and decisions and personalities and did different things and lived their lives differently? Yes, like all of us. The Israelites weren't one type of person just always doing the exact same thing. They had to come into unity and they had to pray. And Solomon had to lead the prayer meeting and God heard. When we come before the Lord, we humble ourselves and we pray and we can see nations and groups of people set free and saved. And I believe that is why Awakened Church exists today in this time and this hour. At the end of this, oh, I already told you that. We're going to have an awesome prayer meeting. Because prayer precedes every breakthrough. Prayer precedes every breakthrough. And so I want to give us a few ways, three ways to be exact, ways we can sharpen our prayer weapon. As I said, I came in this house very illiterate in the area of prayer and actually couldn't even lead silent prayer. And so (laughs) 15 years ago. And so now obviously have come a long way from that because I've realized the power of prayer. And you can argue theology, you can argue scripture, and anything I talk about today, but what you cannot argue is the miraculous power of God that I've witnessed with my own eyes and in my own life and in the members of this church's life. If you show up to men's and women's prayer, you will hear and you will see and you will be revived in your faith because you will hear of the God stories within this house and the people that have been transformed and set free. So be there. Number one is faith. Number one is faith. Ways to sharpen our prayer weapon, faith. God responds to faith. There are many instances in the Bible, the woman with the issue of blood, the blind beggar, the 10 lepers, where Jesus's words are, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Not what you said, not what you did, not what someone else or someone else did, not how well you followed the scriptures. Your faith has made you well. And these people were healed through their faith. Faith makes prayer work. In James 5, 15, it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So it does matter in the Bible, Jesus actually teaches his disciples how to pray. And so we want to follow that instruction, just as Jesus said in Luke eleven two. 2. And I'm going to kind of go through the Lord's Prayer, because it matters how and what we pray. It matters how we position our hearts. The Bible talks about if we have doubt in our hearts, then the Lord cannot answer our prayers. So even in, if we're in a prayer time during services and people are ha- raising their hands in prayer, that is a time God will move because of the faith of the people that lifted their hands in prayer. I encourage you in those moments, like Pastor Mike said, 30% of the people needing something, raise their hands. I encourage 100% of the people needing something, raise your hands in faith, knowing that God can answer. So Luke eleven two 2 starts with this. So he said to them, when you pray, say, say. A tiny little powerful word. And I want to encourage you to speak your prayers out loud. Because Jesus says, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. 
because it changes the atmosphere that you're in. It changes the atmosphere of where you're at. It changes the atmosphere of your heart, of your soul, and of, of your mind when you can speak, when you can speak the promises of God, when you can speak the word of God. When you pray, say. And I encourage you as parents in your homes, when you pray, say. So your kids can hear and do what you say and pray. Have courage when we pray. Use the power of our voices because the enemy wants to steal our voices. And there's, no, there's probably been, but not in the time I've been alive, where there's been so much fear around what you say. There's so many times in the Bible where people are praying, they speak out loud, and something shifts. It doesn't say, think it, think your prayer, and it will come to pass. It says, say. And so let's stick it to the devil and use our voices and say, you're not going to steal my voice. I'm going to prophetically proclaim the power of God over my life, come hell or high water, because at the end of the day, our voices is what we have. If everything else gets taken away, we have our voice. So let's use them. Use them in this time as for such a time as this. Use your voice. Next part, our Father in heaven, our Father. The Lord's prayer starts off with our Father, which speaks to me of unity. Speaks to me of unity. Pray prayers that bring unity. If you're sitting there praying against the people that don't think the same thing you do, you're not going to see much shift. The goal is unity. Pray with those people. Bring truth. Pray love. Bring the peace of God over their lives. You know, the, the reason some people are acting the way they're acting is because they're so scared and confused. And they're just not sure what to do. So they're listening to the loudest voice. And so we need to become the loudest voice and bring unity. All the times that the, the lands are delivered and set free is because people came united. They asked for forgiveness of their sin and they became united. The next part is, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That speaks to me of claiming in God's authority. Claim the word of God over your life. Give us, give us this day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Lastly, rebuke the enemy over your situation. Take authority over the devil and say he has no room or space to move in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mark eleven twenty two says this. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. If you're lacking the words of faith in your own strength, pray the word of God. I had scriptures written all over my house and in my car when I first got saved and got to know the Lord. I picked out scriptures. No weapon form against me shall prosper is on my mirror as we speak, unless the cleaner wiped it off because we're selling our house. But I'm going to put it back up. No weapon form against me shall prosper. Write scriptures everywhere you go. Bring encouragement and claim them over your life. Amen. Number two is perseverance. Oftentimes what feels like a no from God is just a not yet. Not yet. First Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually. Every prayer that is prayed is a seed for your miracle to happen. Every prayer, no prayer will return void. Every prayer is a seed for your miracle. Pray continually, even when you don't feel like it, and even when things don't go your way. It doesn't say in the Bible, pray continually unless you're mad. 
I have to remind myself of that a lot. You know, last year and this year isn't actually a surprise to God. <laughs> He's not sitting up there going, oh, dang, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> didn't see that coming. So how much more do we lean in and trust God that he has a plan and a purpose in his timing? If we do our job, he can do his job. I remember when we were told that we had 0% chance of getting pregnant after we were married for a couple years, we were like, oh, let's have kids. That's like the next thing you do, right? right. So I was like, all right, let's have kids. And he said, well, we're going to have 10, so we better get started. And I said, I don't ever want to use the D word, but I'm going to use it right now. <laughs> you didn't say that in pre-marriage counseling. What the heck? Just kidding. So on year two, we, we decided we wanted to get pregnant. And we went to doctors and everything because it was taking some time. So for the, about the first year of trying, we were very confused. It was very different than what I imagined. It was very different from all the dreams I had. It was very, very different than what I thought the plan was supposed to be. And I had to quickly realize that my plan is not always God's plan. And I had to submit to the timing and the reasons as to why God had this happening. To the point where we ended up going to L.A. to get IVF. And I was driving there by myself some days, 14 days in a row, three hours traffic, very stressful. I don't like driving in traffic, working on my patient skills. But all that to say is if I had not had that season of my faith being expanded, my faith being challenged, and being persistent and choosing to continually believe God, I'm not quite sure we would have the three miraculous babies, three miraculous kids that we have today. And so keep pushing. Our lead pastor has a book called Push. Pray until something happens. Pray continually. God is not one to overpromise and then underdeliver. Number three, getting ready for our prayer meeting? Okay, good. Glad the front row's ready. The rest of you might want to start praying. <laughs> Number three is gratefulness. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I promise you that even though it feels like maybe your world, the world, and everything's falling apart, that God is still on the throne and that God still deserves to be praised and honored for who he is and what he's done. There is something in your life to be grateful for. If you have to thank God that you woke up today, then use that as your thankfulness. If you need to thank God that you're in a church that's faith-filled, that will stand in the gap for you, then thank God for that. There are many, many things. Yes, God hears your prayers, but we will not gain the access or the power and the authority through Jesus Christ if we don't thank him and honor him for who he is and what he's doing and what he's done. I love Hannah. Hannah birthed Samuel, and it was out of a place of prayer. She prayed. She was devastated because she could not get pregnant. She was claimed infertile. But in the Bible, this is how she starts her prayer. 1 Samuel 2 says this, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord, there is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. She was facing the most devastating things 
thing that could happen to a woman in Bible times was to be claimed infertile. It was horrifying. It was your worst nightmare as a female because that was your job. Your job was to reproduce, but she couldn't. And she was devastating, crying out, praying to the Lord. And her prayer starts with thanks. Her prayer starts with honor. She praises the giver more than the gift. And she ends up getting pregnant, falling pregnant, because the Lord heard her prayer. The Lord heard her prayer. And what Hannah said, she vowed to give Samuel over all the days of his life to build his kingdom. And what did he do? Just that. Samuel was nothing short of a miracle. He was born in a miracle, and he made miraculous things happen. And he was also a man of prayer. He was also a man that understood prayer. I want to read as we close just what he did. Samuel spoke to all the, all the house of Israel. Again, they're together. If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, Put away the foreign gods from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord. Serve him only and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the balls and served the Lord only. They turned from their wicked ways to serve the Lord. And then Samuel said, good, now that you've turned from your wicked ways and you've chosen to serve the Lord, we'll get together and pray. And that's what he did. He said, gather all Israel and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered, they said, he said there, we have sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel and the children of Israel heard of it. They were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. In the face of fear, even the Israelites knew that prayer would save them. And Samuel did that. He prayed on their behalf. Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him, and the Lord answered him. It even says the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. So all of these stories that I've I've shown you Solomon, Paul writing to the Corinthians, and Samuel, lastly, are indications that when we ask God for our forgiveness, for his forgiveness for us, when we come together in unity, and when we pray that things can happen, that our country can be saved, our country can be delivered from the hand of evil. But that's why you and I are a key important part of that. God's given us access to pray. He's given us access to, to the heavenly realms. He's given us access through the Holy Spirit to pray on his behalf, to see miracles happen, to see people's lives change forever. God not only wants to answer your personal private prayer that you've prayed in tears, he also wants to answer the church's prayer as a whole for our country, our city, and our states to be healed and be delivered and set free in Jesus' name in Jesus' name. And so we're going to do a prayer meeting. We're going to do this because I don't want to just talk about it. I just don't want to show you about it. I don't just want to teach you about it. I want you to experience it because if you haven't been in one of our men's or women's prayer meetings, you're really missing out, A. And B, I want you to see the kind of warfare that we can access and can go into as believers. 
And so if we can all just stand to our feet, I'm gonna call up three prayer warriors. I have Connor, Carolyn, and Rick. And we're gonna pray some very important prayers this morning. We're gonna pray for our nation, our city, and our military. Because the devastation that's already happened needs to come to an end. I want everyone here to look back and know that their prayers were powerful in shifting something in the other nations and other countries that we would see the hand of God intervene. And I wouldn't just sit up here and say all this if I didn't experience it and know it, that the hand of God can do something miraculous in my own life and in many lives of people in our church. And so let's just lift our hands and then I'm gonna have these three amazing people pray. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins. God, I pray that you would highlight areas in our own life, in our own hearts, that we need set straight with you, God. I thank you, Lord, that there is grace, that there is love. Lord, that your hand is upon us, that you will never leave us or forsake us, God. I thank you, Lord, for those that need to repent or come back to Jesus, even in this moment right now, that you would speak to them, that you would show them the way, God that you would let them feel love and grace over any shame that they might be facing, God. So right now, as we enter in this time of prayer and battle on behalf of our country, our city, our state, and our military, I thank you, Lord, that our hearts are right, that we are set free from any condemnation, Lord, and that our sins are forgiven. We turn towards you. We want to be who you've called us to be. We want your eternal salvation, Lord. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.